0: Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio.
1: Well, hello and welcome along to another edition of Attaboy Clarence. How's it going? You're keeping your hair brushed and your nails trimmed? You're getting out for lots of walks? Suki and I are taking lots of walks. She's loving it.
2: I am not loving it. I wish you'd leave me alone. I'm shattered.
1: Up the field we go, down the field we go. If
2: you make me walk anymore, I'm going to kill you. See, she's
1: loving it. She's especially loving the fact that the children are home all day.
2: Get them away from me or I swear to God. God. He
1: loves the fact that the gramophone is on all day. If I hear another bloody napkin cole song, I'll come at you with a shovel. Most important thing, of course, is that we remember to give Suki the space that she needs.
2: Go to bed, all of you. I've got to do a Zoom call with my boyfriend.
1: And we need to respect each other's new grooming routines.
2: Adam looks like Howard Hughes at the moment, by the way.
1: God bless our happy home. Anyway, quick news bulletin. You might know, if you follow me on social media, that the first hour of the new Secret History of Hollywood series, Carrie, is out for patrons this Friday, the 3rd of April. So if you're a co-producer and you're on the previews tier, then keep your eyes out for that on Friday. The first ever Attleboy Clarence Film Festival will be held on Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th of April. Everyone's invited on Saturday and Sunday will be patrons only. It's a hell of a lineup we've got and I thought I'd share a few hints with you today. So each day has ten sections to it. The sections are identical for both days, but the films in that section will differ. So we kick off each day with a Cary Grant movie. Cary Grant is the first section of each day on Saturday and the Sunday. I can tell you now that the first movie to kick off the Saturday will be Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House. I'm not going to tell you what the Sunday Cary Grant movie is. We'll have to wait and see. The following section is Silent Screams. The movie on Saturday will be Alfred Hitchcock's The Lodger. And Sunday's Silent Scream film will be John Barrymore in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay, do you get how it works now? So over the course of both Saturday and Sunday, the sections are as follows. Cary Grant... Followed by Silent Screams? That's followed by Singular Sleuths, a classic detective movie on both days. Then we have a section called This Is How We Deal With Blackmailers, which is incredibly exciting. The movie on Saturday is amazing, and the one on Sunday is just incredible. Most of you will never have seen it before. It's ultra rare. We then have a section called From Radio to Screen, an example on both days of a popular radio series that was transferred to the screen. Choices here are really excellent. We then have a musical in the centre of the schedule. Each day has its own classic musical movie. Saturday will be Top Hat with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, and Sunday we'll be showing Footlight Parade. We then have a Barbara Stanwyck section. Saturday sees her in a pre-code classic that'll knock your socks off. And on Sunday, we'll be watching her in one of the greatest film noirs ever made. We then have a section that I can't wait for. It's called Schlock Horror. Each day has its own spiffing dive into 1950s sci-fi horror. Glorious! Then we have a section called Invisible Best Friends. I'll leave that one up to your imagination. And we finish each day with a section I'm very excited about. It's called Ghost Stories at Twilight. Each day has its very own classic movie horror anthology movie to give you all nightmares when you go off to bed interspersed with the movies all day we have a wonderful selection of hollywood themed classic cartoons shorts and best of all i and my co-festival organizer ben who really has made this whole thing possible have come up with a quiz that will knock your socks off it's like a live game show where your classic movie knowledge will be put to the test and i do mean the test all courtesy of ben and his lovely girlfriend maria just wait till you see it. it's brilliant and don't worry about people cheating and running off to google this is a quiz that you can't win by googling things all will be revealed there'll be three quizzes through saturday one based on 30s movies one on 40s movies and one based on 50s movies the top three contestants of each quiz will win prizes and i have some great ones to give away Plus, you know what? We get to hang out, eat junk food, and spend an entire weekend in the company of some like-minded classic movie fans, all from the comfort of your own armchair. That's the Attaboy Clarence Film Festival, then, taking place on the 11th and 12th of April. Saturday, everyone's invited, and Sundays are a whole day reserved just for my beautiful patrons, the guys who make these shows possible. If you'd like access to both days, then make sure you're signed up at patreon.com slash Not only will you get a whole weekend of the film festival, you'll also get the carry preview, you'll get 70 bonus Attaboy Clarence podcasts, you'll get a monthly film club invitation, you'll get movie commentaries and bonus documentaries and hundreds and hundreds of hours of more bonuses. How high can my voice go? Plus, you'll get your name in the credits and plus you'll be one of the wonderful folks who makes these shows happen every month. I actually had a Zoom call with a load of patrons last weekend and we all came up with the movies on the festival lineup. Such a handsome, beautiful bunch. Join in, why don't you? All you need to do is sign up at patreoncom attaboysecret, or follow the link in the show notes. In fact, why don't you go off and do that right now while you listen to Fred Astaire sing A Fine Romance. A fine
3: Romance with no kisses A fine romance, my friend This is, we should be like a couple of hot tomatoes But you're as cold as yesterday's mashed potatoes A fine romance you won't nestle A fine romance you won't wrestle. You're just as hard to land as the Ile de France. I haven't got a chance. This is a fine romance. Woman, you're calmer than the seals in the Arctic Ocean. At least they flap their fins to express emotion. A fine romance with no clinches. A fine romance with no pinches. You never give the orchids, I send a glance. No, you like cactus plants. This is a fine romance. Oh
1: boy, what a romance. Mm. And that was Fred Astaire with A Fine Romance. Beautiful stuff. Well, we all like a walk on the wild side, don't we? And classic movie lovers are just the same. Thankfully, we're pretty well served by a notoriously liberated period in film history known as the Pre-Code Era. Yes, the Production Code came in 1934 and Hollywood was brought to heel by the conservative movement. Some say that this led to the wholesome Golden Era that's so beloved today. Some like to speculate on the movies that might have been if the code had never arrived when it did. Either way, pre-1934 meant pre-code. Movies that were pretty much unregulated and which, when you see them now, really stand out as the more daring bunch of entertainments of the golden age of Hollywood. For more info, I can highly recommend you visit the wonderful pre-code.com, That's P-R-E hyphen C-O-D-E Com. Or if you like, you can go and listen to the pre-code documentary I made called Sex in Monochrome for the Secret History of Hollywood. Well, anyway, this week I was joined by the fabulous Miss Brooke Darnell, Secret History Researcher Extraordinaire, so that we could discuss our personal top five pre-code movies she's very she's librarian half yeah did you manage to watch any movies I watched did a bunch watch? of films
0: because I okay. I wanted to watch like not just say like King Kong or like you know movies that people hmm probably have already watched (laughs) Mm, so I watched a bunch of movies and I didn't like some of them but I did find some that I liked
1: okay um this is going to be quite interesting because I've asked you to give me your top five pre-code movies have you got a list have you managed I do have a list I do okay so I'll tell you what let's start with your number five what's your number five female Mm -hmm. yes cool
0: um well I liked the beginning but I didn't like the end
1: Okay, that is actually one I haven't seen. Is that the one with Ruth Chatterton, where yes, she's yes. Um, a boss, a boss lady, and very strong-willed? Yes, and- she,
0: her dad dies, and she takes over an automotive factory.
1: And there's some kind of doesn't she have like? I'm, I hesitate to use the word affairs, but she's quite sexually liberated, isn't she? And
0: yeah, so so she's the head of the company, and she has the pick of the men in her company, um, and she takes mm-hmm. them home. She decides that she wants to find somebody that likes her for her and not because of who she is. So she goes to like a, a fair and she meets somebody mm. and he kind of dismisses her. So of course she falls in love with him.
1: It's always the way, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so female is your number five. This is one that um, yeah. came up quite often when I was making sex in monochrome. And um, I, I have it, and, but it's just a film that's just been buried by the to watch pile. So, I'm definitely going to get on that. So, that's your number five. Yeah, but I like it because um,
0: she play, plays the traditional, like, male role. And it's interesting mm. for that time. I don't know. But, so, so I didn't like this film as much as the others because she has consequences for, for doing mm. that. And some of these, a lot right. of these films, you know, women can just be a human mm. and do, do things and there are no consequences. Like, they don't have to be yeah. taught a lesson for it.
1: So, it's almost like um a post production code um resolution to that one then would you say yes because um you know yes. it, part of the code was you weren't allowed to get away with that kind of behavior there had to be some kind of punishment or comeuppance
0: yeah and this one's from 1933 but I think mm, it had a bunch cusp. of different directors
1: right so number five is female for you I'm going to give you my number five we'll go down one by one Number five okay. for me, I'm, w- I'm wonder if we're going to have much crossover on this. Number five for me is Safe in Hell, Dorothy McHale. <gasps> That's Mikhail my
0: number Don- one. Cook. You That's shouldn't have told me that.
1: <laughs> 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 is it? <Yes. laughs> You've ruined the surprise. <laughs> okay, cool. Safe in Hell. I found this really difficult because I have seen a ton of pre code movies and i didn't want to just pick films that were shocking for the sake of you know shocking films like story of temple drake is not in my top five because i just don't think it's a great movie you know i just you know there are these are totally my top five because i love them and you know they just happen to be pre-code basically but number five safe in hell is brilliant so the story is for those of you who don't know Gilda, she's a New Orleans prostitute, and she mistakenly believes that she's murdered a man and runs away to an island in exile. And the story is kind of this simmering exotic hotel that she has to stay in, which is basically just men (laughs) lusting after her for the entire film, and her batting them away because she's in love with Donald Cook. It has a horrible kind of gut wrenching final act. I think it's just one of those. But it was her choice. Yes, yeah, yeah. I get that, and it was really empowering in that way. But you know, when she marches herself off to be hung—is it hung? Yeah, um, to the gallows. Rather, rather, yeah, rather than lose her virtue to the horrible, you know, sort of police inspector slash jailer guy who says, basically, you know, you can, you can go to jail and stuff, and but you'll have to do me favors. And she chooses not to forego Donald Cook and. Um, takes herself off to jail rather than become that kind of sex slave character and it's it's brilliant but it, at the same time you're like jumping in in around in the state going oh why can't he be the guy who's gonna be hung it's like it's a really good sweaty sordid pre-code that i really found very very daring and and very very like shocking and but really like the drama was so well judged it was
0: really sad
1: <laughs> <laughs> really sad it's it's, yeah. it's it's so unfair isn't it the end but again really well made
0: but she kind of gets her revenge because the person that leads her to the gallows Mm. is the person that got her started in prostitution
1: Mm. yeah and also as well i mean is it bruno the the jailer guy the police guy anyway his character the one that's you know the, the arch villain of the film the one that says you know you can be my sex slave and she says no i think i'd rather die it's almost like by doing that she she really does teach him the ultimate lesson that she'd rather die you know, willingly than be his. It's crazy. You can see it in right. his face, can't you? You can, just can't believe it at the end. But she but kind yeah, of gets... It's a brilliant film.
0: Yeah, she gets to make her own choices. So I think in mm. the beginning, she kind of was forced into where she was. And then at the end, mm-hmm. she chooses the path she wants to be on. So I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. story.
1: Yeah. Definitely. So uh, almost, she almost does get her comeuppance, talking like code-wise. But it's her choice, and very much her right. choice. It's very, very well done. It's a great film. Like I say, it's really hard to pick five out of the multitudes of pre-codes. I'm, I'm sorry we didn't agree on on our top spot one. But yeah. So what's your number four? Employee's entrance. Mm, Warren William.
0: Yeah, it's got Warren Williams. So this one's great. So there's this big. Department store, and this real jerk runs it, and he's like firing people and just doing whatever he wants. And he treats the women as like kind of like prostitutes. He just like sends them to do his bidding, but he meets this woman that's trying to get a job, and he forces her to spend the night with him. And then the next day, she has a job, but she falls in love with one of the workers there. That turns out to be like a son to this guy and they have to keep the affair a secret from him because he wouldn't like it.
1: Is it like a tawdry romance kind of thing then, really?
0: It's like she had to make her living in not the way she would choose, but she finds like somebody that loves her. And even after he finds out what went on, he doesn't reject her. And it kind they kind of like go off into the sunset at the end of the movie but there's you know some conflict before they get there but the Anderson character never changes from beginning to the end there's no consequences for all these horrible things he does
1: (laughs) well he's a man after all (laughs) (laughs) employee's entrance what year is that from
0: 1933
1: 1933 33 is like very good yeah for pre code, isn't it? It's almost like they knew it was coming and they were trying to sneak all these films in under the under the um, under the line quickly before <laughs> before it was coming. Cool. Well my number four is Design for Living. Miriam Hopkins, Gary Cooper, Frederick March, and Edward Everett Horton. Have you seen it yet? Yes. What did you think?
0: I thought it was cute. Like there mm-hmm. was some it was funnier than the other films. Like I don't think any of the mm-hmm. other films were this funny. But there's a lot of I like the back and forth. Like there's a part be- behind a um, like a screen where they're like popping up and saying different jokes,
4: which I thought
1: <laughs> was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's very cool. The reason I like this film so much, this wasn't in my top five at all. Um, I watched it when I made Sex and Monochrome and I was kind of like, oh, it just annoyed me a little bit. And then I sort of knew it, found out it was a no Coward play beforehand and I was like, oh, that's probably why. Because I, I think he's quite a hit and miss. But I rewatched it a few weeks ago, and I don't know what it was. I just really, really clicked with it this time. And I just found it really kind of, I don't know if you think about the context of the time. I mean, they're both in a sexual relationship with her. I just found it really liberated, and I found it really, I don't know, funny and kind of wise. And it was more, uh, I think, really sort of pro-feminist in a way. Because she just like, you know, I I can't choose, so I'm just going to have both of you. That's just how it's going to be. I just really like that angle. And um, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't click with it the first time. But I really liked it this time. And I watched a really good print of it. And I've been looking into the background of it afterwards. And um, yeah, I just really, really dug it this time.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because I think even now people, like if you made this now, people would be shocked by it.
1: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, totally. I mean, this is the early 30s. (laughs) She's just like, you know, you're really good looking, but you're really cute too. And you know what? Let's just all live together and have sex all the time. It's like what? Yeah, you couldn't make a film about polygamy these days, and you know it would just be like you said. You had protesters actually. outside
0: the movie theater.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, out here as Edward Everett Horton, which is like you know a cherry on top, really. <laughs> so, what's your number three?
0: It was designed for living.
1: Oh, it is really okay. Right, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go through that again. <laughs> okay, we've just done that one. So I'll give you my number three, which is uh, Footlight Parade, James Cagney, Joan Blondell, Ruby Keeler and Dick Powell and Frank McQueen and every other Warner Brothers star at the time. I just really, really love this film and I love the I love the, you know, the jokes. I think they're really kind of risque and the, you know, the whole waterfall sequence is it almost borders on soft porn, but it's just it's just It's just a really good, fun, sort of bawdy musical that seems to have had no expense spared. I think Cagney is amazing in it. You get to hear him sing. I love all the musical numbers in it. I just think it's, uh, again, one of those really liberated, big budget, Busby Berkeley things that you just can't even imagine being made these days. I love Footlight Parade. I haven't seen that one now. Oh, my God. (laughs) You need to go and watch this film. In fact, for those of you who are um, coming along to the film festival next month, it is being shown, Footlight Parade. We're doing that one on, I think, the Sunday for patrons. So you'll have to come and see that one when it's on. It's really amazing, really funny, really charming. It's like one of Cagney's best films.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Go on then. What's your number two? Uh, It's really, really good Forbidden. Forbidden. 1932. it's so sad. Okay, it? I was crying at the end. It's if you don't want to watch any sad <laughs> anything sad, do not watch this movie. It's just heartbreaking. Um, really. So there's this librarian, and it's Barbara Stanwyck. It's a Frank Capra film.
1: Oh right. Okay.
0: So she's kind of like an old maid. And so she decides she's going to go on a vacation. She takes out all her money and she goes on a cruise. So the first night she's there, she's all dressed up. She's taking her glasses off and she goes down to the dining hall you know, and there's dancing and everybody's seating and um, some guy kind of talks to her and she gets scared and she runs back to her cabin and there's a drunk man in the room. There's like uh, some comedy about whose room is it? And then um, she tells him, you know, it's her room. He's drunk. He's got to get out. But then he kind of sobers up and they kind of hit it off. And then they, they go back down to the dance floor. And then the cruise goes to Havana and they have a great time and they fall in love. And then they get back and she's working on a newspaper and she's got her own apartment. And then Bob comes back and somebody from the newspaper calls and asks her to marry him. And she's like, hold on, I got to ask my lawyer. And Bob's there and she's asking him, what should I do? And then he kind of breaks down and tells her that he's married that um, he can't leave his wife he uh, was in a he caused a car wreck which caused her to be an invalid and um, he can't leave her because she's just been so nice to him Mm. Um, and she says she doesn't care she wants to be with him anyway and then Mm. it just goes through the years of what happens next and it just gets sadder and sadder and sadder (laughs)
1: So, would you recommend that people watch this film right now? Or <laughs> Do you think it might be a bit too much? It, people it might, might fling themselves from their window.
0: <laughs> if you're having a good day, it's a really good film. Mm. Um, okay. If you're not
4: feeling, yeah, good, it's like a tear maybe,
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe avoid. Okay. Yeah. Someone, someone uh, I spoke to yesterday were like, "Oh, we should, we should watch Penny Serenade." And I'm like, "Oh my no. god, you <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> take Penny Serenade?" No. <laughs> Full disclosure, when me and um, uh, when me and Brooke were planning this little pre-code thing, what was the film we were going to watch originally? Oh. Dr. Susan something.
0: Oh, Mary Stevens, MD.
1: Mary Stevens, MD. So I had this recommendation to watch this movie. I was like, well, I'm going to watch this movie today. Why don't you watch it too, and we'll review it. And Brooke was like, okay. So I started making dinner, and Brooke went off to find this movie. <laughs> and about one hour later, she was like, "No, watch this movie." I'm like, "Why not?" Um, there's a virus, and it's just killed a baby. We're like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, close one." Really, watch what you watch these days. <laughs> <laughs> God, can you imagine recommending that film to people? No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yes.
0: It's kind of funny to begin with, and then it just goes down.
1: <laughs> really dark. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Like really in, in Mary Stevens, somebody actually falls on a banana peel.
1: Yeah, it's got it's it's actually a really good film. There were just certain triggers in it. That I just don't <laughs> do appropriate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, as you say, it's got everything from slapstick and romance <laughs> to babies dying from virus. <laughs> it runs the whole gamut. <laughs> so your number two was uh, Forbidden Barbara yes. Stammek. I'm going to match your Barbara Stammek for my number two. I'm picking Babyface, which. Uh, Have you seen Babyface?
0: Yes, and that's one of the ones I didn't want to list because I thought maybe people Mm. had watched that one, but that is a great movie.
1: For me, I think it's the most pre-Cody film of them all. I just think, you know, it's got, you know, there's violence and there's... I mean, the sex in the film is just like you, you start watching it and you're like, oh, <laughs> my goodness, I can't believe they went there. And then, like, the next scene, you go, what? And then the scene after that, it's like, oh, my God, now she's like, what, she just had sex with the, the hiring clerk to get a job there? And it's like, what the hell? You just can't believe how liberated this film is. <laughs> it's almost like they went, okay, maybe the code's going to be here soon. So let's write the most tawdry, sordid, scrunching. <laughs> and isn't that the
0: one where on the... Out, it shows the outside of the building and you see the lights going on and she's just going up mm-hmm. and up and up the floors. Yeah,
1: she's sleeping her way up, literally slept sleeps her way to the top. She ends up sleeping with the boss of the company and then his son. And then, yeah, I mean, she's redeemed eventually by love, which is kind of a little bit of a cop-out because she does kind of, she goes from sinner to, to saint in the last sort of few minutes when it comes to George Brent, doesn't she? But that in no way... Uh, ruins the experience it's like it's one of those films that you just when when people say about pre code movies I can't believe this was made and Babyface is definitely the one I think for me that I, even to this day I go wow they really did <laughs> they really <laughs> were bucking the trend and it's um it's kind of the film that pushed the Catholic Legion of Decency over the edge I think oh I mean, really you know, you could, yeah you could really hold that one up as the one where they went that's it and then they started campaigning like crazy Babyface if you haven't seen it Prepare to have your mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck, definitely queen of the pre-codes. Yeah. Okay, so you're number one. Safe, safe and in Hell. No. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> I don't know, that one just really stuck with me. I just kept thinking about mm. it, you know, as the days went on. It's just, it's, because it started out and I thought, oh, this isn't, because I was just like looking at different movies that were available to watch and mm-hmm. I'd never heard anything about that one and, it started out; it didn't seem like much, but it really builds and turns into like a, a really good movie.
1: The the moral sort of whirlpool at the, the middle of the film that sort of glues it together. You know, she's married to Donald Cook, but the jailer makes her believe that he's abandoned her and so she's clinging on to this belief that he he loves her when he really does and he's been writing to her and everything and then you have the the inhabitants of the hotel who really sort of do come to life one by one don't they they've all got their own stories and their own backgrounds and even the you know the the maid and the bartender guy are so great aren't they they're like it's the first time they're actually fleshed out and given proper characters and you know they're not just the hired help they they're like proper characters that are fully drawn it's right. a really, really, really strong film, definitely. Yeah. I love you. I love you too, honey.
5: I know you do. And it's made something different out of me from what I was. But I'm good now, Carl. Just like I was when we were kids. I'll never be bad again. Never again,
0: Carl. So, what's your number one?
1: My number one is Trouble in Paradise. Okay. With Miriam Hopkins. Herbert Marshall and Kay Francis I just think it's it's just so funny the lines in it are just brilliant I don't think there's one redeemable character in it I love it the seduction scene at the beginning where it's Miriam Hopkins and Herbert Marshall both stealing from each other as they're yeah. trying to, oh my god they're trying to get each other into bed and the callback at the end in the car
0: yeah is just,
1: yeah it's phenomenal I love the script and the, and the fact is, you know, they're all dastardly people, and they're all having sex with each other, and they're all ripping each other off, <laughs> plotting ways to rip them, <laughs> rip them off like, in the future. It's
0: even the uh, the doctor that's been with the family for forty years. Mm-hmm. Is it not a doctor? He's is a lawyer. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the most dastardly black comedy. I love it. So
0: yeah, but <laughs> surprising too because he says, "I came here to rob you, but I fell in love with you," and then. <laughs> it ends differently
1: is not he um, I love the line he finishes it with I'm going to put a clip in right here so I don't have to try and remember the line but um, you know the, even the, his goodbye to um, Kay Francis at the end where she's saying you know well it was fun wasn't it and he's like yes and then he just holds up her necklace or something and runs away <laughs> it's brilliant oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what you're
2: missing no that's what you're missing your gift to her
5: with the compliments of kool and Company.
1: I love that film. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, really? Mm. Well, thank you, Brooke. Thanks for coming on.
0: Oh, well, you're welcome. It's nice to talk to somebody outside my house.
1: <laughs> Have you been video calling many people?
0: No. <laughs> I'm on a group <laughs> chat with my sister and my mom. That's enough.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. We had a, a virtual pub quiz last night with um some other inhabitants of this area. It was really fun. Who was the leader? Oh, it was um one of it's, it's one of our friends. Um, he sort of we did a Zoom call. We hadn't <laughs> have you done a Zoom call yet yes yeah so we're all getting to grips with zoom at the moment and um it's crazy, isn't it it's like every time someone like scratches their nose they jump to the front of the screen <laughs> 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 like a dog stood on someone's balls the other <laughs> and he went oh <laughs> and uh, like he just flew to the front and screen just as the pain rang through his face <laughs> yeah, it's crazy Mm. Anyway, well, thank you very much for your time, Brooke. Sorry, I'll let you get back to your breakfast and stuff because, you know, it's still morning there. Oh, and yeah. um, me, and Brooke, me and Brooke had a <laughs> very strange experience this morning because we had to pick the day that um, Daylight Savings happened. <laughs> I was waiting around for you to turn up. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I didn't know it was. No, 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 no.
1: No, it's absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Al-
0: oh, Albie usually wakes me up earlier, but today he slept in.
1: <laughs> Conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. Lovely to talk to you again. Everybody, Brooke Darnell.
5: See ya. See what the boys in the back room will have And tell them I'm having the same Go see what the boys in the back room will have And give them the poison they name And when I die, don't spend my money On flowers and my picture in a frame Just see what the boys in the back room will have And tell them I sighed And tell them I cried And tell them I died of the same And when I die, don't buy a casket Of silver with the candles all aflame See what the boys in the back room will have And tell them I sighed And tell them I cried And tell them I died of the same Die, don't pay the preacher for speaking of my glory and my fame. Just see what the boys in the back room will have, and tell them my sigh, and tell them my cry, and tell them I died of the same.
1: And that was the eternal. Miss Marlena Dietrich with the boys in the back room. Thank you, Miss Dietrich. And thank you, Miss Darnell. Always lovely to speak to Brooke Darnell. Well, upon Brooke's advice, I decided to go and watch 1933's Employees' Entrance, starring Warren William, Loretta Young, Wallace Ford, and Alice White.
2: When I first went to work here, I was a kid, 20 years old, in the shipping department. I've been through many departments since then. I've seen thousands of employees come and go. And I've come to one conclusion. There's no room for sympathy or softness. My code is smash or be smashed. I took this store when it was a pile of junk without leadership. I converted it into assets. Assets for you gentlemen to pat one another on the back of us. Do you think you did it? <laughs> no, I did it. I don't own any yachts. I'm not on the mayor's welcoming committee. I did it because I know how. This store has got to go on climbing. And I'm here to see that it does. As for Commodore Monroe, you're the greatest welcomer this city has ever had. And the worst department store executive. Anderson! How dare you! There's only one man that can keep this store at top speed. Me. You know it. Why sir. Now heard my blood no sleep.
1: The story, as Brooke explained, is of Monroe's department store in the heart of New York and the ruthless, and I do mean ruthless, son of a bitch who runs it, Mr. Kurt Anderson, played by the great Warren Williams.
2: I'll take a new contract at double my present salary and supervision from nobody. Oh, preposterous. I'll give you that one chance to keep me here, or I sign a contract with Gormley, your biggest competitor, tomorrow morning. It's
1: Yes, Kurt is as hard-bitten as they come. Slow with the ideas? You're fired.
2: Not at all in line with the policy of the store. And I've been 30 years in the business. Higgins, get out. Oh You're through.
1: Slow to deliver the goods. You're ruined. Don't
2: you hear me, mister? It's my life. Yes, I hear you. Merchandise is the life of this store. When you promise to deliver on a certain day and don't do it, you threaten our life. But it only happened once. It can't happen again. It can't happen once. Now get out of here. Duh.
1: And the tactics he uses in order to keep a hold of his grip on power are unscrupulous, to say the least. In the next office sits a gentleman by the name of Mr. Denton Ross.
2: Sure I know him. Ross is wasting too much of his valuable time watching my affairs. He's much too busy around here. He needs somebody to take his mind off his work. You can do that better than anybody I know.
5: And I get paid for it?
2: Yes. Oh,
5: that'll be wonderful.
2: Save it. Don't waste it on me.
1: Kurt is the no-goodest, most devious-minded shark in the pool, and his heart is an impenetrable blend of flint and ice. That is, until he meets Madeline West, played by Loretta Young.
5: Oh, just look at that. A lovely paper mache chicken. Mmm, I bet that's good. How oh, would you like a wax banana? I'd love it. <laughs> oh, perhaps I can make you a sandwich. Well, mm. fresh, too. <laughs> and look, this nice baked milk, just what we need. I'm sorry I can't offer you anything better, mister. You work here, don't
2: you? Yes, I work here.
5: You're lucky. I've been trying to get a job here myself. Tell me, is it a tough place to work in?
2: Not so bad.
1: Yes, whatever Madeline has, they should bottle it up and sell it in Monroe's because she's the only gal who seems to melt his heart. Shame, then, that she's secretly married to bright young thing apprentice to Anderson, Martin West, played by Wallace Ford, perhaps the only employee at Monroe's that Kurt has any time for. It's a tangled web, indeed, especially during the aftermath of a particularly raucous office party in which Kurt spies a very drunk Madeline, alone and in tatters after a bust-up with Martin, and decides to make his move.
2: Do you like to take a little rest? Rest? Yeah. Go up to 10.32. It's reserved for me. Just throw yourself down, and when you feel better, come on back. I'll wait right here.
5: Room 10.32?
2: Yes. The door's open. Go right in and make yourself at home.
5: Okay.
1: No prizes for guessing what happens next, but a prize perhaps for guessing it where it takes the story. Very surprising movie. As Brooke said, I think there are more pre-Cody movies than this in the world. It's certainly not as sordid as Babyface, or as sweaty as Safe in Hell, but as office romance dramas go, it's definitely got more bite than most. It's given an extra dramatic pull by a simply magnificent performance by Warren William, who not only grabs the role with both hands, he throttles it to death on screen and hisses his joy while he's doing it. He's unforgettably appalling as a man so cold-blooded that he might as well have gazpacho in his veins. Loretta Young, my goodness, is so eye-achingly beautiful in this movie that she threatens to burn down your screens, and there's a wonderful supporting turn by Office Doe Polly, played by Alice White, a scheming store model who's almost as devious as Anderson and who uses her feminine wiles to create a delicious partnership with her no-good boss. There's power games, cracking dialogue, a three-way romance with a sadistic edge, a real sense of dramatic weight, and all tied up in a breezy 1930s thrill ride that'll make you grin in delight and feel bad for doing so. It's so good that I want to watch it all over again, and I've been heavily recommending it for the past week like crazy. Do go and check out 1933's Employees' Entrance. It is glorious. Another Brooke recommendation that I took to my screen was 1933's Female, starring Ruth Chatterton, George Brent and Ruth Donnelly. The plot here surrounds Alison Drake, the boss of an automobile plant who isn't scared to use her position as a way of luring attractive men into her boudoir.
5: How long have you been here?
1: 16 days, to be exact. You like your work? Oh, yes, indeed, very much. I've
2: been trying to make an appointment with you to talk over a new sales promotion plan of my own.
5: Well, I haven't got time to go into that now. Suppose you come to my house to dinner tonight at 7.30, we'll talk about it then
3: that's all
1: having been disillusioned by big business Alison has lost her romantic streak in favor of a more considered approach to sex what's the point in having attachments when you can simply satisfy your cravings and move on to the next one when you're bored being near you all day and having you ignore me I'm
5: a busy woman I can't be annoyed with jealous or moody men about me but I love you that's enough of that A Pettigrew Make arrangements to
3: transfer Mr. Briggs here to our Montreal office. What? Oh, does Mr. Briggs want to go to Montreal?
5: Mr. Briggs is going to Montreal.
3: But I don't want to go. That'll be all.
1: It's a system that's worked fine for Alison and which has seen her leave a string of broken hearts in her wake. Love isn't something that she's into and she's never found a man worthy of her. That all changes when she runs into Jim Thorne, played by George Brent, who's a cut above the other guys, and who, for some reason, that puzzles Allison like crazy, doesn't seem interested in participating in a round of bed-hopping with
2: her. Well, you may be president of the Drake Automobile Company, but I was engaged as an engineer, not as a gigolo. And I'm not holding my job by humoring any little whims of yours.
5: I assure you, this is not a little whim.
2: And hereafter, when you want to talk business, you can see me at the factory. You're very rude. I'm very
1: sorry. Good night, Miss Yes, Alison has finally met a guy who isn't impressed by her power or by her offer of a one night stand. A unicorn among men, if you will. This, of course, drives Alison crazy. Female. It's kind of a dull title for so exciting a plot, right? Or is it actually a very clever declaration of intent right up front? You see, the genius of female is that if this film was reversed, if all the characters swapped sexes, that is, then this would be a very dull, very run-of-the-mill affair about your standard buck stallion man about town who's tamed by love. What female does is reverse entirely the gender expectations of the movie world at the time. And this is what, unfortunately, makes this film so shocking. Interesting proposition. I mean, on paper, if you didn't know the characters' names, you'd read the script and assume it was a man in the lead role. It's very clever, it's very subversive, and it's totally unexpected in its bravery. As a film, I have to say, I found it rather flat. Certainly, there have been more absorbing dramas, and it's nowhere near as fun as something like Employees' Entrance. And the entire aim of the film... To promote the idea that sexual desire and playing with power is an inherent human activity despite the formation of your physical makeup is regrettably lost in the wake of the film's third act. Alison is not only tamed by love, she's kind of ruined by it. She goes from being a very dominant, impressive character at the beginning to a simpering, obedient, submissive schoolgirl in love. By the end credits, and yes, George Brent is attractive, but he's not really the second coming that Allison and the film's writers make him out to be. I'd much rather have seen a colder ending. I guess that even in pre-code terms, it kind of chickens out by the close. But as an example of pre-code subversion, Female from 1933 almost acts as a what-if parallel universe movie made in some alternate Hollywood where the shoe was on the other foot. And for that reason alone, I definitely urge you to check it out. Radio Entertainment comes today from the Lux Radio Theatre and stars Ginger Rogers, alongside the king of pre-code himself, the man with the voice that made a million hearts swoon, and the star of Employees Entrance, Mr. Warren William, in The Curtain Rises. So let's go on over now to the Lux Radio Theatre and to a very excited announcer. Hollywood,
6: California, October 12th. The Lux Radio Theatre presents The Curtain Rises, starring Ginger Rogers and Warren Williams, with Alan Mowbray and Viri Teasdale. (laughs) Lux presents Hollywood. Our stars, Ginger Rogers, Warren Williams, Alan Mowbray, and Viri Teasdale. Our play, The Curtain Rises. Our guests, Doris Kenyon and Mrs. Leela Rogers, dramatic coach and mother of tonight's leading lady. Our producer, Cecil B. DeMille. And our director of music, Louis Silvers. To you who crowd our theater tonight, and to you millions whose theater is your home, greetings from Lux. This hour in Hollywood comes to you with the good wishes of the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, the pure white soap, whose active lather and delicate perfume have made Luxe Toilet Soap the favorite beauty care used by nine out of ten of Hollywood's leading stars and lovely women everywhere. And now, on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, that distinguished producer of screen and radio, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Just 444 years ago today, Christopher Columbus made good his promise to see America first. He discovered a new hemisphere, and we celebrate the occasion by discovering in Ginger Rogers a new star. It's true that Ginger has appeared in many pictures. She's the young woman of Fort Worth who came to the screen in Young Man of Manhattan. As a singer and dancer, she has few, if if any, equals. Yet every time she asks a producer for a dramatic role, our young star is in the position of Christopher Columbus who, as a young tar, was thrown off a ship because the captain swore he'd never be a sailor. Tonight, however, Ginger's ambition to play a straight dramatic role is fulfilled. We shall hear her as Elsa Carling in the Lux radio theater's drama, The Curtain Rises, by Benjamin Kay. Playing opposite Ginger is Warren William. When a youngster, Warren was the dashing hero who laughed at onrushing locomotives and snarling villains and consistently rescued lovely ladies in the early serial films. Graduating to the stage, he returned to pictures, played Julius Caesar for me in Cleopatra, and will be seen next in Go West, Young Man. He performs tonight in the role of Ronald Phillips. Alan Mowbray will be heard as Gregory Matthews, and Very Teasdale as Carol Stewart. And now, The Curtain Rises on The Curtain Rises, starring Ginger Rogers and Warren Williams. A gay party in progress at Carol Stewart's New York penthouse. The radio is turned on full blast. And the living room overflows with a noisy, good-natured crowd of merrymakers. Everyone seems to be having a grand time. Everyone except Elsa Carley. Elsa, a plain, awkward-appearing young lady in horn-rimmed glasses, stands in the foyer straightening her hat. There's the suggestion of a tear in her eyes. As she turns to leave, Carol Stewart comes from the living room.
7: Elsa? Elsa, what's the matter? Nothing's the matter. You've got your hat on. I'm I'm going home, Carol. Home, oh, but the party's just begun. I know, but wait a minute. Now, will you please tell me what this is all about? Oh, it's nothing, Carol. Really, it really. isn't. You've been sitting against the wall all evening. I he- haven't heard you say a word, and you didn't dance once. Well, no, one I I mean I've got a headache, Carol. I don't feel like dancing. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'll call Annie. Oh, no, no, don't bother. I can go home alone. Don't be silly, Arnie. Brought you here. I know, but he only did it because you asked him to, and I don't want to spoil his evening. No, Elsa, stop it. Hey, Carol, what goes on? Stephen, come here. Elsa's going to leave. Oh, that's
6: too bad. Uh, You want me to call the cat?
7: No, we don't. I want you to find Arnie. Tell him to take Elsa home. Really, Carol? Go on, Stephen. Oh, sure. Right back. I could have gone home alone. Of course, but why should you? Now, that's the trouble with you, Elsa. You always let men think they're doing you a favor. Well, it was awfully nice of him to call for me. Uh, I suppose you told him that. Of course. Oh, Lord. Well, it was nice of him. He didn't want to bring me. How do you know? Did he say so? No, he didn't say anything. Well, Stephen, where's Arnie?
6: Oh, uh, he's, he's coming. He's talking to a couple of people and, uh... Look, Elsa, can't you stay a little longer?
7: Oh, he doesn't want to take me home? Oh,
6: now, I wouldn't say that.
7: Oh, it's all right. I I don't mind. Uh I'll speak to that low-down newspaper reporter. Where is he? No, please, Carol. I'll go alone. Good night. Elsa, wait. Good night. Hey, was she crying? If she wasn't, it's not your fault. Well, here I am. Just a wee bit late, Arnie. The
6: press is never late. Where's our little wallflower?
7: She's gone home. Oh, (laughs) Yeah? Well, you needn't look so pleased. What's the matter with her? She said she had a headache. The real reason is that she sat in that room for almost two hours and not one of you even so much as looked at her. Oh, now,
6: Carol. My dear hostess, I brought the lady to your charming party. My responsibility ended there. You
7: might have spoken to her.
6: I tried that in the cab. Result? Terrible. Arnie's right, Carol. The girl can't talk without blushing. Oh, keep
7: quiet. Elsa's one of the nicest girls I know.
6: Granted, but she's a prim little old maid.
7: Elsa isn't an old maid. She's younger than I am.
6: Being an old maid hasn't anything to do with age, Carol. Some girls are old maids at 18. Oh, poor Elsa. There you are. When you think of her, you say, poor Elsa. You're sorry for her. Yes,
7: I am. She's missing so much in life. Inside, she's so sweet and sympathetic and clever. (coughs) Well, she is clever. Only somehow she doesn't know how to let it out.
6: Well, I suggest she learn how. Uh, Gather ye rosebuds while you may. Right. Right. But first, she'd better take off those glasses.
7: Hello? the darling! Where have you been hiding? I haven't seen you for ages. You've taken the studio? But why? Of course I can come. Stephen? Yes, I can bring him. Ollie, too? <laughs> Elsa, what is it? A party? Who? Gregory Matthews? You mean the actor? Well, I don't know. I'll try. Maybe Arnie can get him to come. Elsa, you've got me all excited. What's it all about? Well, I know, but... All right. All right. Tomorrow at nine. Carol, I'm awfully glad you came before the others. What did you do with Stephen and Arnie? They stopped by for Gregory Matthews. Oh, then he is coming. Arnie says so. A new silver man can usually get what he wants from the theatrical profession. (laughs) Well, so this is your studio. Do you like it? It's grand. What's the idea? Oh, I have an income of my own. I can afford to have a place for myself. But Elsa, you have a lovely home, so that's not the reason. Oh, Carol, my home has always been a prison. No, I don't mean that exactly. The prison was largely myself. First my outside self, and then my inside self. Outside? outside? Inside? What in the world are you talking about? Look here, Carol. You're engaged to be married, aren't you? Yes. You love Stephen, and he loves you. Yes. He kisses you, doesn't he? Of course. Carol, do you know that I've never been kissed? What? Oh, I don't mean by my father or by my uncles or at silly parties. I mean by a man, a strange man. Is that why you've taken this studio, in order to be kissed? I... I thought you'd understand. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. I didn't mean it that way. Carol, you're the only one I can talk to. Please let me tell you. Go on, dear. Well, I know what's the matter with me. I'm not pretty. I never was. I have no, no charm for men. Even as a little girl, I used to see boys putting their arms around other girls and stealing kisses. Oh, I wanted that, too. I want it now. But, darling... I want romance, Carol. I want what every girl wants. Love, kisses, and the arms of a man around her. But what in the world has all this got to do with your taking a studio and Gregory Matthews? Well, I want to see if I can't arrange to have Gregory Matthews give me lessons in acting. Lessons in acting? But you surely don't expect to become an actress. Well, uh, no. But you see, I've seen all the plays that Matthews does. I know all the parts. I got the books and studied them. And I feel now that all I need is a little, uh, little coaching. Oh, I see. If you took lessons, you and Gregory Matthews could play all the love scenes together, is that it? Oh, Carol, really? (laughs) Now, don't tell me that's not the reason. Well, maybe. You've got a crush on Gregory Matthews, haven't haven't. you? (laughs) I (laughs) haven't. I mean, I don't know whether I have or not, but lessons in acting won't do me any harm. Elsa, you're a fraud, but I can't say I blame you. It must be rather nice to be kissed by Gregory Matthews, especially when it's your first kiss. Carol... Am I wicked in thinking this way about it? Mm-mm. Thinking isn't wicked. I mean, it isn't wrong for me to plan this. Oh, of course not. Yet I'm a little worried about one phase of it. What's that? Suppose the handsome Mr. Matthews gives you lessons and you play scenes together, and you really fall in love with him. Won't you be letting yourself in for a lot of suffering? I'll take that chance. At least I will have lived for a little while instead of going along as I am now, just nothing at all. I'm willing to feel hurt. Even pain is an emotion. And that's why you're giving this party. To meet Gregory Matthews. Yes. And now that it's here, I'm just a little nervous. I I don't know how to explain it to him. Oh, don't worry. You'll find a way. But if I if I could speak to him alone. Of course, Dolly. I'll get rid of the others. You leave it to me. You'll have Mr. Matthews all to yourself. Oh, thank you, Carol. You're such a comfort. Mm you sit down, Mr. Matthews?
6: Hmm, thank you. But don't you think we'd better join the others? Oh,
7: no. I I was telling Carol of something I particularly want to ask you, and, and she was good enough to arrange this.
6: Oh, indeed.
7: Yes. And actors like me must be such an interesting one, Mr. Matthews.
6: Yes, it is interesting, but it means work more than you have any idea. Now, we actors have very little time to ourselves.
7: I think I've seen you in everything you've played. So? Mm-hmm. I like to play Late Blossoming, Best. That love scene in The Orchard. After the soldiers have gone. Oh, it's so lovely.
6: Yes, it was a beautiful scene. You liked it, eh?
7: Oh, you play it magnificently. Thank
6: you, thank you. Now, a difficult scene with so many undercurrents of emotion, so many nuances, needs the most perfect timing. Later this season, I'm going to put on Romeo. And, of course, Juliet. <clears throat> I have always believed Romeo a splendid part for me.
7: Oh, yes, a lover. You play love things with such fire, such passion. Why, in late blossoming, when you kiss.
6: Dorina. Yeah. Yes, of course. Miss Carling, you said there was something you wanted to ask me. Oh,
7: well, I, I hardly know how to ask it, but, Mr. Matthews, I'd like to have you give me lessons in acting. Lessons? Oh, it wouldn't be difficult. You see, I've studied all your plays. I know all the parts by heart. I got the books and studied them.
6: Uh, but Miss Carling, this is impossible. Oh,
7: I realize how busy you must be, Mr. Matthews, and, of course, the fee. I hate to talk about such matters to Miss you, Miss but... Carling,
6: please, this is very distressing. Don't you understand that I am not to be hired? Oh, of
7: course, that's what makes it so difficult to talk of a fee. But I wouldn't care what the fee is. I'd consider it a great favor.
6: It's not a matter of a fee or a favor, Miss Carling. I simply cannot entertain your suggestion, not for a moment. Me, Gregory Matthews, give lessons. That's preposterous. Please consider this final...
7: Final.
6: I said final.
7: I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me for taking up your time. <laughs> well, my dear girl, here, stop it. Stop it. I can't.
6: But you must. I, I don't like to see a woman cry. I can't help it, but I don't feel like being a teacher.
7: I can't help it if I feel like crying.
6: Well, there's something to that, of course. <laughs> Tell me, does it really mean so much to you, this learning to be an actress? Oh, yes, yes. Well, I have a suggestion to make. Yes? Uh, yes. Remember, it's only a suggestion. I'm not sure that could be done.
8: What is it?
6: Well, at the theater, we have what is called an understudy. You know, an actor who learns all the parts. Now, this understudy, uh, what's his name? Phillips. Yes, Ronald Phillips. He's a very capable fellow. Of course, he hasn't my appearance or my ability. But he knows his business, and he's quite poor. Understudies, you know, get little pay. I'm sure he'd be glad to give you some lessons and be very grateful for the fee. Well, what do you say, Miss Carling?
7: Well, uh, do you think you'll come? I will tell
6: him that you are a very dear friend of mine, that I'm very much interested in you. Oh, don't worry, I will arrange it.
7: Then if he teaches me, and if I learn awfully well, then will you play one scene with me?
6: Yes, 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 yes. When he tells me that you've learned how to act, I will play one scene with you. Now shall we join the others?
7: Yes, Mr. Matthews. Thank you so much.
6: Well, come along, and for heaven's sake, put some powder on your nose. Mm -hmm. Yes? Is this Miss Carling's studio? Yes, sir. My name is Ronald Phillips.
7: Oh, yes. Miss Carling's expecting you, sir. Come in. Thank you. Who is it, Anna? Mr. Phillips, miss. Oh, you may go, Anna. Yes, yes, sir. My my name is Elsa Carling, Mr. Phillips. How do you do? It was uh, nice of you to come so soon.
6: Well, not at all. Nothing's too much for a friend of Mr. Matthews.
7: Has Mr. Matthews explained everything to you? Uh, About the lessons, I mean.
6: Oh, yes. I don't believe I've ever seen you at the theater, Miss Carling.
7: Oh, I go to the theater very often.
6: I mean backstage with, uh, with Mr. Matthews.
7: Oh, I see, no. I haven't been backstage. Mr. Matthews calls on me here.
6: Oh, yes, of course. I, I suppose you've seen him in all his roles.
7: Oh, yes. I think he's magnificent. You know, uh, I know all of his plays by heart. You see, I've accomplished quite little already.
6: Mm, well, learning lines is a very small part of acting, Miss Carling. The least important part.
7: But I can't learn to act unless I know the lines, can I?
6: You can't learn to act unless you learn a lot of other things first.
7: Well, I don't understand.
6: No? Well, would you mind uh, walking across the room for me?
7: Walk? You mean like this?
6: No, Miss Carling, not like that. What's the matter? Oh, forgive me, Miss Carling, but you have no poise, no balance. An actress must have poise. You don't take much exercise, do you? No. No well you have to walk one hour every day rain or shine one hour steady with head up and shoulders back
7: but i don't like to walk
6: mr matthews told me that i was to give you lessons so you'll have to walk one hour every day after that you will have bending exercises stretching exercises practicing facial expressions in front of a mirror and vocal exercises for accent and enunciation
7: i don't think i like your method
6: no perhaps not but i am sure you like the results maybe that's the trouble with you amateurs. You think acting is the easiest thing in the world. You don't want to work.
7: But I'm not an amateur. No,
6: what are you then? Oh,
7: I'm sorry. I guess I'm just
6: nothing at all. <laughs> no, no. don't go to the other extreme. I only want to see that you start right. There's a lot to learn, Miss Carling. For instance, do you know how many ways there are of saying ah? Ah? Yes, ah. How many? Um, hundreds. Look, I walk into a room. I'm cold. I see a cheerful fire. I say, ah, a fire. You hear?
8: Ah. Ah, yes.
6: Then, then somebody uh, says something that I don't believe. Do I say, ah? No. I say, ah. Ah. Exactly.
7: Well, that's fun. (laughs) Let me try one.
6: (laughs) All right. You walk into the room. Your fiancé is there, in the arms of another woman. What do you say?
4: Ah. No.
6: No, that's disgust. We want anger. Ah. That's pleasure. You aren't glad, are you?
7: Oh, Oh, wait. Let me try one more. Uh, I walk in. Aha. Is that better?
6: Well, it'll have to do for now.
7: (laughs) You know, I think I'm going to like this. (laughs) Even the exercises and making faces at myself.
6: (laughs) And the walking.
7: (laughs) Oh, but you're going to walk with me. To show me how, I mean.
6: Well, the first lesson or two, yes. When you've learned to walk properly, then, then, of course, it won't be necessary for me to walk with you.
7: Oh, of course. But then the scenes. We will play scenes together.
6: Yes, certainly.
7: Shall we, uh... Shall we try one now?
6: Well, if you want to. Oh. Do you really know all of Mr. Matthew's plays by heart?
7: Oh, yes. Do you, uh, Do you know the play Late Blossoming?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I am Mr. Matthew's understudy.
7: Oh, of course, but... Well, you know the scene in the orchard when the soldiers are about to leave and and Dorina kisses him.
6: Oh, yes. That's a nice scene. That, uh, that'll that do as well as any other.
7: As well as any other? Why, well, that's the finest scene that Mr. Matthews plays.
6: Well, of course, the way he plays it with scenery and opposites Helena Dale, of course. It's beautiful. But here is a scene to run through without scenery and costumes. Do you see what I mean?
7: Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Phillips. I didn't mean to be so in earnest about it. Would you rather play some other scene?
6: Oh no, no, that'll do very well. We'll uh, we'll just take the end of the act. Are you ready?
7: Let, oh yes, I'm. I'm ready.
6: Uh, Dorina is by the fence, looking in the direction the soldiers have gone. Albert enters from the left. I see you, Dorina.
7: Albert, my darling.
6: Yes. Uh, uh, maybe maybe you'd better take off your glasses for this. Oh. Excuse me. There. Oh, that's fine. We'll start again. Dorina.
7: Albert, my darling.
6: Uh, a little quieter, I think.
7: Oh, yes, of course.
6: Quieter. Uh, we'll go on from there. Dorina, come here by the tree, where we can't be seen.
7: But, Albert, I saw you march away with the regiment.
6: They're resting on the other side of the hill. I slipped away. I had to see you just once again, my darling.
7: Albert, you shouldn't have come back. Um, Uh, A little while ago, you went away. I cried, and then I stopped. But when you leave this time, I shall cry and never stop crying. Uh,
6: Miss Carling, don't be so nervous.
7: I can't help it.
6: But it destroys the feeling. You see, uh, this is the scene leading up to the kiss.
7: Yes, I know.
6: Well, let's go on. If there be tears for every kiss you gave, and yet more tears for every kiss that I'll be bringing you, You'll not have tears enough.
7: Meanwhile, there will be tears. Oh, why did you return in that one hour I should lose you twice? Ah. Courage, my love.
6: Yes, yes, I know the line. Well, courage, my love. What if you lose me twice? What if we lose each other 20 times? A cloud may hide the sun, erase the moon, but they return in glory like our love. Was that a, a trumpet call?
7: Don't go, don't go.
6: I must. One kiss.
7: One, one kiss.
6: And then farewell.
7: Uh, one, one kiss.
6: I take it now, my love. Oh. What? Here, here, Miss Miss Carling, Miss, Miss Carling. Good Lord, she's fainted. <laughs> a moment, we continue with The Curtain riser starring Ginger Rogers and Warren Williams. Right now, let's go down to the colorful Mexican quarter between Hollywood and Los Angeles, an after-hours mecca for all who work in moving pictures. Here, two extra girls meet.
7: Where's Bill, Sally? And didn't Jack and Loretta come with you? Oh, Bill's over there, buying me a Mexican lollipop. Jack's around here somewhere, but he's alone. Oh, that's funny. You know, it seems to me Jack hasn't been giving Loretta much time lately. No, he hasn't. Loretta's in the dumps about it, too. And you know, it's really her own fault. Somebody ought to give her a tip about her complexion, that's what. Anybody that ever worked in pictures would tell her what to do.
6: Just a simple thing like the right complexion care can mean the difference between popularity and loneliness. Any girl who has a really lovely complexion is attractive. But unfortunately, today, there are all too many girls who have cosmetic skin, enlarging pores, dullness, tiny blemishes simply because they don't remove stale cosmetics, dust, and dirt thoroughly. Luxe Toilet Soap guards against this danger. You can use powder and rouge as much as you like if you depend on the active lather of this fine soap to remove them thoroughly. Why don't you try Luxe Toilet Soap, the beauty care of nine out of ten lovely screen stars. And once again, Mr. DeMille. We continue The Curtain Rises with Ginger Rogers, Warren Williams, and an all-star cast. (laughs) It's three months later. The dramatic lessons have proceeded regularly. And and under the instruction of uh, Ronald Phillips, Elsa has become a new person. Gone is the old timidity and awkwardness. And in its place, a newfound gracefulness and ease. Carol, Elsa's friend, is astonished at the change.
7: Darling, turn around and let me look at you. <laughs> Am I really so different? Different? Elsa, it's miraculous. You mean the dress? Yes, even the dress. I've never seen you look so chic, but it's everything about you. You're so fresh, so vital, so youthful. <laughs> Arnie Sanders says I even walk and talk differently. Arnie Sanders? Has he been here? Oh, he drops in once in a while. I see. By the way, what happened to your glasses? Like, go- oh, I never wear them anymore. Since I've been taking lessons from Mama Phillips, I've discovered I can really see quite well without them. It's funny, isn't it? Yes. This Mr. Phillips doesn't happen to be understudy to a magician. No. He's still working for Gregory Matthews, understudy and assistant stage manager. I suppose Matthews drops in also? No. I haven't seen him since the night you were you were all here. Well, but you're getting yourself ready for him. Am I? Aren't you? Well, Honest, Carol, I haven't even thought of Gregory Matthews lately. You haven't? Then so what are you going on taking lessons for? Well, they've done me a lot of good, haven't they? Yes. But that wasn't the purpose when you started. It was all to lead up to a kiss. Tell me, Elsa, this understudy, does he ever kiss you? Oh, yes, whenever the scene calls for Mm -hmm. it. Who selects the scene? Well, you see, uh, we go through our exercises and then we just pick some scene and run through it. And he kisses you? Yes. Well? Well, it's very nice. (laughs) Such enthusiasm about a kiss. What did you expect me to do? Faint. I did. What? I did the first time he kissed me. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) I think I'm beginning to understand. The way you look, the way your eyes shine. (laughs) So that's it. And I thought it was all from the lessons. It is. How, you must look forward to them. I do. Carol, every lesson is like going to a play. It's an adventure. Before Ronald arrives, it's just as if I were sitting in the audience before the play begins. And then, and then he rings the doorbell, and the curtain rises. Elsa, you're in love with him. Is it love to be on pins and needles until he arrives? Yes, that's love. And is it love to feel all empty when he's gone? Yes, that's love, too. Well, I seem to have all the symptoms, don't I? Not all of them, but it's a good start. Funny, I had the idea all along that it was Gregory Matthews. But I've told you I haven't seen Gregory Matthews. That's just it. You've been playing all these love scenes with Ronald. Perhaps if you saw Matthews again, you'd find that it was he after all. Do you really think so? I don't know. You started with a crush on Matthews. Tell me, Elsa, has Ronald told you that he loves you? Well, that's it. That's what? I haven't the slightest idea whether he loves me or not. He kisses you, doesn't he? Yes, but it's all in the acting scenes. Well, you kiss him, don't you? Yes, but he probably thinks that's acting, too. Doesn't he say anything? Yes, but it's always about lessons. Oh, that's bad. But sometimes I've noticed he just stands and looks at me. Ah, that's good. Do you still pay for your lessons? Yes. Ah, that's bad. But he never asks me for it. Ah, that's good. You know what I think, Elsa? No, what? Over at the theater, they all look up to Matthews as a sort of god. Well? That includes Ronald Phillips. And don't forget that it was Matthews who sent him here to give you lessons. Maybe he thinks you're Matthews' fiance. Oh, Carol! Well, you look pleased. Oh, what a thrill that anyone should think that I was Gregory Matthews' fiancée. Well, please make up your mind whose fiancée you want to be, Matthews or Phillips. Oh, Carol, I thought you'd know. No, I don't know, and I don't think you do either. Now, look here, Elsa. If your Ronald thinks you're engaged to Matthews, naturally he wouldn't dream of making love to you. How loyal he is. Loyalty, fiddlesticks. We've got to get that idea out of his head. But how? That's up to you. Is he coming here this afternoon? Oh, yes. He comes every afternoon. Uh Uh-huh. Well, get him talking about Matthews. Try to find out what's in his mind. And then? And then show him what's in your mind. If you know what's in your mind. Yes. Yes. Only... Only what? I was just thinking... Isn't it a shame that I never got to play a scene with Gregory Matthews? Come in, Mr. Phillips. You're late this afternoon. (laughs) Sorry. We've
6: been having the final dress rehearsal of Robio and Juliet. I won't be able to stay very long.
7: Then there won't be any lesson today?
6: Well, a short one.
7: (sighs) Oh, You know, I've worked out a new way of saying ah. Really? Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear how it goes? Very much. Well, a girl has just had a quarrel with her lover. You're the lover, see, and you've just gone out of that door saying that you'll never be back. Oh. The girl is heartbroken and she goes over there and sits down and cries. Now, the lover has changed his mind and comes back through the open door and he stands as you are standing, looking at the girl. She jumps to her feet, gushes over and throws herself into his arms and, and kisses him like this. Well, how was that?
3: Very
6: good. But, uh, but what about the R?
7: Oh, the girl would probably forget all
6: about that. <laughs> yes, of course she would.
7: But, uh, didn't I do it well?
6: Mm, the pantomime, yes, but it lacked a little sincerity. The feeling is improving, but... Uh... Oh,
7: you're always saying that.
6: No, oh, but it's true. It's the same when we play Romeo and Juliet. In that, and in that other play we did yesterday, the scene where the princess meets her lover...
7: Oh, you mean, uh, when you are gone, I cannot move my lips except to breathe your name. And, oh, my love, when you are here, they are in dreamless sleep until you waken them upon your own.
6: Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Can't you see? You're just saying words. There's no lover standing before you.
7: Well, I tried it last night when I was alone and it seemed to go all right.
6: Look, forget all about me. Close your eyes. Now picture your lover before you. Picture the man you love more than anyone else in the world. Now, again.
7: When you are gone, I cannot move my lips except to breathe your name. And, oh, my love, when you are here, they are in dreamless sleep till you waken them upon your own.
4: Yes.
6: Yes.
7: Did you like it?
6: Glorious. It's incredible what you've learned in three months.
7: You're really pleased with me?
6: Pleased with you? Of course I am. Soon there won't be anything left for me to teach you.
7: Oh, no. You mustn't say that. I beg your pardon? Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure there will always be something for me to learn. I'll never know as much about the theater as you do.
6: No, about the theater, perhaps not, but voice, technique. You could step on the stage tomorrow.
7: Oh, marvelous. Have you told that to Mr. Matthews?
6: No. No, I haven't. Why not? Why, I've never discussed you with Mr. Matthews.
7: That's strange. I think he'd be interested in how I was getting along.
6: Haven't you been keeping him informed?
7: Why do you say that?
6: Oh, I'm sorry. I, I merely thought that...
7: What? What were you thinking?
6: I was thinking we aren't getting on with our lesson. You'll never learn to act this way.
7: Maybe I'm learning something else.
6: Now, shall we do the exercises now?
7: If you want. Why don't you like to talk about Gregory Matthews?
6: What? Who said I didn't? But you never do. Gregory Matthews is a splendid actor and my employer. I have a great respect for him. We'll uh, try the um, R-E-A exercise first.
7: All right. R-E-A, R-E-A, R-E-A. Does Mr. Matthews do this every day, too? Of
6: course. Speaking is like singing. The throat must be kept open and free. Now, the may me my mo moo
7: May, 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 may. Me, 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 me. Do I do that as good as Gregory Matthews?
6: You can't do anything as good as Gregory Matthews. My, 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 my. My, my,
7: my, my, my. You needn't be quite so loyal to him. That
6: isn't loyalty. That's a fact. Mo, 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 mo,
7: mo. Mo, 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 mo. There's some things more important than facts. What? Mother facts. Moo, 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 moo. Excuse me. Hello?
8: Yes? Oh, he's here. It's for you, the
6: theater. The theater. Oh. Hello. Oh, hello, Mr. Matthews. Yes? What? How? What happened to her? Good Lord. Well, what about Geraldine Day? What? Well, I don't know who... Yes, I do. I do know someone. Elsa Carling. What is it? I said Elsa Carling. Of course she can. Listen to me. She can do it. She knows it backwards. I know she can.
7: What can I do? What can
6: I do? Be quiet. Hello. Hello, I'll bring her right over to the theater. Right away. Goodbye. Get your hat. What? Your hat, your hat. Our leading lady has been taken sick, and her understudy can't be found. But what has that got to do with me? It's got everything to do with you. Don't you understand? They can't find a leading lady who knows the part. You know it. You're going to play it. Play what? Romeo and Juliet with Gregory Matthews.
7: Three minutes. Certain going up for three minutes. Carol, this is awful. I can't play Juliet. I can't. Stand still. Elsa, listen to me. You've got the chance of a lifetime. I won't do it. You've got to. You can't let Gregory Matthews down. Oh, yes, I can. All right, but what about yourself? What do you mean? Don't forget the purpose of your lessons. Matthews will hold you in his arms and tell you that he loves you. He'll kiss you. He won't. I won't let him. What? Not in front of all those people. But it's in the play. I don't care.
6: Miss Carling, are you ready? No. no. Mr.
7: Matthews, she says she won't go on. Won't we'll go on, but she must.
6: Certain going up. Curtain going up. Hold it. Hold it. Miss Carling, you've got to help us. Come out in the wings. I won't. Well, I can't start to play Romeo and. I know whether I have a Juliet. Well,
7: why don't you get someone else?
6: Miss Carling, listen, I'm pleading with you. I, Gregory Matthews. Oh, if
7: I only had a chance to think. There's
6: no time to think you've got to act. Come on, will you come or do I have to carry you? Miss
7: Matthews! Come on! No, 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 put me down. Put me down, I can't do it. I'll die, I know I'll die. Well,
6: of course you will. Julie, Juliet always dies, but not until the last act. Oh,
7: Romeo, Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo, deny thy father and refuse thy name, or if thou wilt not. How if, when I am laid into the tomb, I wake before the time that Romeo comes to redeem me? There's a fearful point. Then I'll be brief. Oh, happy dagger! This is thy sheath. Bear rust and let me die.
4: Oh, well, how about a picture? How about a picture, Miss Carling? We want
6: a
7: picture. Uh, thank you, thank you. Outside,
6: everyone. Miss Carling must rest. Outside. I
7: want the story, I'll say. Miss Carling, not now. Leave it alone. Miss Carling. Oh. Oh, Mr. Phillips.
6: May I congratulate you? You were wonderful. Oh,
7: thank you. One
6: of the finest Juliettes I have ever seen. Eleven curtain calls. Eleven. Elsa, you were magnificent. From you, Mr. Matthews, that, that's a great compliment. Yes, but in our love scenes, you turned away.
7: Did I? I'm sorry. I, I think she'd better rest, Mr. Matthews. Why,
6: of course, of course. Come here, my dear. Yes? Let me look at you. You're beautiful, Elsa. Oh, Mr.
7: Matthews.
6: Beautiful. The world is at your feet, my child. You will go on, onward and upward, and the stars shall ring with the name of Elsa Carling.
7: Please, uh, please, I... uh...
6: I ask no part in your new world, my dear, only to be remembered occasionally as a humble mime who recognized your genius and gave it its rightful place. Just this, I ask. This and a reverent kiss from your most reverent admirer. No,
7: no, please, not now. Let me go. My
6: lips, two blushing pilgrims, ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss.
7: (gasps) Oh, no, no. Here,
6: here, Elsa, what's the matter with you?
7: Oh, good heavens. She said it again.
6: We <laughs> pause for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Ginger Rogers as Elsa Carling, Warren William as Ronald Phillips, and our all-star cast return to the microphone shortly in the concluding scenes of The Curtain Rises. The mother of tonight's star, Mrs. Leela Rogers, today directs at RKO Studios, the only little theater of its kind. While this theater produces plays for the public, it is maintained as a dramatic training school which every new player under contract to RKO must attend for a year. Our talk tonight contains an important announcement to all theatres and theatre-goers, ladies and gentlemen, a writer, director, and mother, Mrs. Lela Rogers.
4: Stay
8: tuned, Mr. DeMille. We have a little theatre on the lot at the arcade studios where we produce plays with our young contract players because we feel that it is in the theatre the inexperienced player will get the experience they need for their motion picture work. Here we forget film technique and produce a drama exactly as in a legitimate theater right down to the grease paint. And by the way, when the performance is over, that grease paint is removed with Lux toilet soap. Oh, yes, Lux is the official toilet soap of our little theater, just as it is in the star's dressing room on the lot. And now for the announcement Mr. DeMille referred to. Mr. S.J. Briskin, production chief of RKO Studios, has selected the Lux Radio Theater over which to announce to the little theater's stock companies and legitimate theaters throughout the United States, that he will lend to them for their productions any of our young contract players, when available, as guest stars to appear for one or two-week engagements without charge. Mr. Briskin makes this offer because it is from the theaters that motion pictures have secured so much material and talent in the past. The motion picture industry has even been accused of destroying the legitimate theater robbing it of its talent. This need no longer be a problem. In your theater, our player will get the training he needs, and the legitimate theaters will receive an impetus of new life by being able to announce an engagement of a Hollywood actor or actress. So Mr. Briskin asks you to file your application for one of our players at his office in Hollywood, addressing him, Mr. S.J. Briskin, B-R-I-S-K-I-N, Production Chief. RKO Studios, Hollywood, California. Thank you, and good night. Good night, Mrs. Elsa. I congratulate RKO on this splendid
6: effort to aid the stage. The Curtain Rises, starring Ginger Rogers and Warren William, with Alan Mowbray and Viri Teasdale. Elsa's night of triumph ended when she fainted in Gregory Matthews' arms. The following morning... Her studio room has the semblance of a florist's shop. And as she reads her telegrams of congratulations, Anna enters carrying two more bouquets.
7: Here you are, Miss Carly. More flowers? Let me see, quick. Oh, with love from Gregory Matthews. Oh, dear, who's the other one from? Um, uh, Mr. Arnie Sanders. Oh, Arnie. Anna, are you sure nothing came from Mr. Phillips? Not a thing, miss. Hmm. See who it is, Anna. Yes, Good morning, Anna. Oh, come in, Miss Stewart. Carol. Hello, darling. Oh, bye to all the flowers. How are you feeling? Mm, all right. Did you see the papers? Yes. The critics were awfully nice to me, except one or two. They said I was competent. Oh, you're getting touchy. You wasn't my nap. You were grand. You've no idea how natural it all sounded. Carol, do you really think I could be an actress? Of course. You were one last night, weren't you? Yes, but oh, I don't know. You did it once. You can do it again. I wonder. Oh, it's marvelous to act. To hear the audience applaud as they did last night. It was thrilling. The afterpiece was even more thrilling. What afterpiece? Your little scene with Gregory Matthews in the dressing room. The kissing sequence. Oh, that. What do you mean, oh, that? When he kissed you, you fainted dead away. I was excited. I should say you were. Oh, not because he kissed me. It was a general excitement. I was nervous and tired and wrought up, that's all. Then his kiss didn't mean anything to you. Not that. So it's uh, Mr. Phillips again. Again? (laughs) What do you mean? You know, Ronald's place in the theater is fixed. He's an understudy. You may go up like a rocket. Do you think you can go on taking lessons from him? Hmm, of course. Ronald knows so much more than I do. He may have other ideas about that. I don't understand you. Elsa, if it's a career that you're after, then everything is all right. But if what you want is love, then I'm sorry you made such a success last night. I don't agree with you at all. I'm sure Ronald is very proud of me, and we can go right on with our lessons just like before. For how long? Oh, I don't know. I feel much more confident now. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Wayne. That's Arnie and Steven. Hello, Elsa.
6: i tried to keep this news hawk out, but he's too persistent. That's all right. It better be. You know the power of the press, my girl. Now, what about that story?
7: Oh, no, no. I can't concentrate yet.
6: All right, then. What about having dinner with me?
7: Uh, I can't. Oh, let her alone, Arnie. Th-
6: now, don't give me that, my girl. This is the greatest story of the year. Unknown girl makes good.
7: Please don't, Arnie. That was only a freak performance. I'm only taking lessons. You mean to say you're going
6: to go on taking lessons? Of course. Well, I'll say that little professor of yours knows how to teach. Let me print this story and all the girls in New York will be crazy to take lessons from
7: him. No, uh, Annie, you mustn't. Why not? Because it would give her a lot of publicity which she doesn't want.
6: But I thought publicity is just what an actress needs. But I'm
7: not an actress. At least, not yet. I'm not even sure that I want to be.
6: Well, that makes a good story, too. May I print that? No. Good morning, good morning. Oh, come
7: in, Mr. Matthews. Thank
6: you. I had to drop by and see how you were feeling, Miss Carly. Oh, I'm
7: fine this morning. You know everyone here, don't you? Of course, of course. How are you doing, Miss
6: Stewart? Well, my Juliet. Wasn't she perfect, Mr. Sanders? Well, Everyone is talking about her. And uh, what did you think of me? Okay.
7: I thought you were a superb Romeo, Mr. Matthews.
6: Thank you, thank you. It's my favorite role, you know. All romance and fire. Ah, those magnificent lines. That man Shakespeare, how well he understood what I, and what we actors need.
7: Don't you think Elsa was marvelous in the balcony scene?
6: Charming, charming, yeah. How was my voice in that scene, Mr. Sanders? Yeah. What did you say? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A difficult scene, that. You see, I am talking Up. The head is thrown back and the throat muscles are constricted. That is where technique comes in. And
7: you really think I came through all right? It
6: is yes, marvellous, marvellous. Really, I couldn't believe it.
7: I told you I was going to work hard. Yes, but
6: it's almost a miracle that you performed in so short a time.
7: Oh, Elsa loves to study.
6: Miss Carling, do you remember what I said the first time you spoke to me about this? What do you mean? Well, I told you I would not give lessons to anyone regardless of what they offered me. Well, I have changed my mind. From now on, I will be your teacher. Oh, that's great. But,
7: but what about Mr. Phillips? Oh, eh?
6: that's all right. After all, it was I who sent him to you to teach you the first principles. But you are past that now.
7: But he's worked so hard, it doesn't seem fair to suddenly cut off the lessons he's been giving. Oh,
6: well, don't let that worry you. I can get him other pupils, and after I finish teaching you, we will play many plays together. Someday we will play Late Blossoming. Do you remember that exquisite scene of the orchard under the apples at the end of Act One? Oh,
7: yes, but uh, I don't think I'd like to play that scene, Mr. Matthews.
6: (laughs) Do you know, the very first day I met Miss Carling, I knew she had talent. So when I spoke to Phillips, I said, Phillips, I said, Phillips, I have a little friend I want you to give lessons to. Who knows, perhaps we may make an actress of her someday.
7: You said that to Ronald Phillips?
6: Why, of course. You know, he has his pride, too. To just ask him to become a teacher to a wealthy girl, well, that might not have gone down so well. And now you see how you have justified all that we've done for you.
7: Oh, come in, Mr.
4: Phillips. Mr. Phillips.
6: Oh, excuse me. I, I didn't know you were entertaining.
7: Oh, that's all right. Really, it is.
6: Why, of course, Phillips. Come in. We are glad to see you. Good morning. How Good morning. How are you? Are you?
7: <laughs> well. Are you proud of your pupil, Mr. Phillips?
6: I said so last night. You gave an astonishing performance. Phillips, I congratulate you as much as I have, Miss Carling. You have justified everything that I've said about you. Thank you, Mr. Matthews. That's high praise. Let me add my congratulations, too.
7: And mine. You teach well, Mr. Phillips. Just to think of our Elsa becoming a star overnight. Thanks entirely to you.
6: that's very kind of you, but uh, I think you're giving me entirely too much credit. And if you'll permit me to say so, to Miss Carling, too. She isn't a great actress yet. Oh, I thought Elsa gave a beautiful performance. So did I. Oh, now, don't take Phillips too seriously. You know, a little, um, professional jealousy. No, Mr. Matthews, there's no professional jealousy. I'm trying to be completely honest with Miss Carling. You wouldn't have me do otherwise, would you?
7: No, of course not. But Mr. Matthews thinks I did it very well. I
6: certainly do. And you know what I've promised her, Phillips? That from now on, I will take her lessons myself.
7: Yes, I expected that. no. If there are to be more lessons, Mr. Phillips will give
6: them. I'm afraid that'll be impossible. You see, I'm leaving this morning for Chicago. What? Chicago? Yes. I'm opening there in a new play. I've got a very good part, and I couldn't pass it up. May I ask when you made this decision? Well, the part was offered to me several Mm. weeks ago, but I preferred to stay in New York. However, I've changed my mind. Well, of course, that is very unexpected. But that is the life of the theater. But have no fear, my dear fellow. After all the training you've had with me, you will make good there. I know you will. You don't, uh. You don't have to be patronizing, Mr. Matthews. I'm no longer a member of your company. But my dear Phillips. And I'm not your dear Phillips. But what in the world has got into the fellow? You'd think we were mortal enemies. Just because you're leaving the company is no reason why you should act like an angry schoolboy. No, I'm sorry. Will you excuse me, Miss Carling? I, uh. I haven't much time.
7: You're going
6: now? I'll have to. I'm catching the 1120 for Chicago.
7: Then our lessons are. are over?
6: Well, for the present, perhaps. Someday. Goodbye, Miss Carling. Goodbye. What an extraordinary young fellow.
7: He's gone. Yes, well, I shall have to
6: get myself a new understudy. Elsa,
7: come and sit down. He's gone, and I still don't know. Don't know what? I don't know.
6: My dear girl.
7: But I'm going to find out. Anna! Anna, Elsa, what are you going to do? Don't stop me now. Where is that girl, Anna? Anna, uh, did you call me? Anna packed my bags, all of them, in my trunk. Elsa, oh, did you hear me? Anna, hurry! I've got to leave it? right away. Elsa, where are you going? To Chicago on the eleven twenty. Eleven
4: <laughs> twenty to Chicago. 20
6: to Chicago on track 24, track 24, Eleven twenty. 20. Hey, y'all, sir. Section 14. Leave the large bag down here. Yes, sir. Here you are. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hello. Why, Miss Carling, what are you doing here?
7: I, I came down to say goodbye.
6: Oh, that's awfully nice of you. Won't you
7: sit down? Thank you. It makes me sad to see you going.
6: It makes me sad too.
7: I'll I'll miss the lessons. They were fun, weren't they, Ronald?
6: They were more than fun. Each lesson was another step in the painting of a portrait.
7: You were the artist, Ronald.
6: I helped. That's all. But uh, now that it's finished, what more is there to say?
7: You've been wonderful in all that you taught me. No one could have made me act the way you did. Ronald, I don't think I want to go on the stage again.
6: Yes, yes, you'll go on. Onward and upward. With Gregory Matthews helping you, why shouldn't you reach the top?
7: Tell me, Ronald. Why did you suddenly make this decision to leave New York?
6: I've already told you.
7: But you said you wanted to stay here, and suddenly this morning you decide to leave. Has it anything to do with last night?
6: I'd rather you didn't ask that.
7: But it's something I've got to know.
6: Last night I saw him kiss you. I knew I couldn't stay here any longer.
7: But, Ronald, that didn't mean anything.
6: No, it looked like it did.
7: Ronald, don't tell me you were jealous.
6: Before I go, I want to tell you something. We may never meet again, and perhaps that's why I'm telling you. I love you. For weeks I've loved you. In the scenes we played, when I held you in my arms, it wasn't the teacher, it was me. And when you kissed me in those scenes, I know it meant nothing to you, but I'd leave with my heart singing. You love me? I'll never stop thinking about you as long as I live. I never stop seeing you in my dreams and hearing your voice in every other voice,
7: Ronald. I love you too. You love me, of course. Why didn't you tell me all of this before? But
6: but I thought you and Gregory Matthews.
7: Oh, Ronald, darling, please stop being an understudy. <laughs>
6: curtain falls on the curtain rises, but Ginger Rogers will be heard again in just a moment. One of the few who have twin careers, both of them successful, is Doris Kenyon. Her work in motion pictures is only an interlude in a busy career as a singer. Given her first stage role by Victor Herbert, Miss Kenyon in films has played opposite John Barrymore, Rudolph Valentino, and George Arliss. Since the passing of her husband, Milton Sills, She's divided her activities between the screen and the concert stage. You'll see her next in Paramount's new picture, Along Came Love. And now, just one hour before her departure on another concert tour, she sings for us. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Doris Kenyon.
7: Thank you, Mr. DeMille. My song tonight will be in memory of Victor Herbert. I'll sing Thine Alone from his operetta... I'm...
1: And that was the glorious Warren William and Ginger Rogers in the Lux Radio Theatre's version of The Curtain Rises. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this swing into pre-code territory. Wonderful of you to join me. There'll be more Warren William in this week's bonus edition of Attaboy Clarence, which you can grab if you're a patron. Go on over to patreon.com slash attaboysecret for more details or listen on to the end of this show. I'll be back with you folks next week where I have a pair of thrillers that will knock your freaking socks off. Until then, take such good good care of yourselves and bye for now if you'd like to support this show you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the patreon banner pledges start from as little as one dollar a month and in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you.